0: Podcast where we are becoming better DJs through passion and purpose. And now your host, David Michael.
1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and hanging out with me in the room is the one, the only, the mighty Modingo.
0: What is up, y'all?
1: And joining us across the room via Skype, Mr. Tony DeSero. What's up? Hey, what's going on, guys? hey. hey. So Tony couldn't make it into the uh, office today, but that can't stop him. So he's joining us via
0: Skype. Technology, son.
1: Technology. And uh, I mentioned this briefly last week. If the sound quality sounds a little off or different or out of the norm, uh, we are trying to figure out how to record in this new space. It's a bigger room. So if you hear some reverb and that kind of stuff, uh, we'd appreciate your feedback on how it sounds, actually. We're uh, still dialing all that stuff in. And uh, So if it sounds noisy or it sounds distorted or anything like that, just post up in the comments and we'd love to hear from you on how it sounds.
0: And definitely take a look at those images. Uh, Dave's done some really good work in here and this place looks amazing. It's not even done yet.
1: Yeah, I I wish I could take credit for that. I did all the parts that didn't require real skills. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, here, sand this part for five minutes. Okay. And you know priming and painting and base coats and uh-huh. stuff you know the the custom building and stuff i had a guy for that but mm. we, he worked a deal with me because we didn't have a huge budget to do mm. that and so yeah we've uh, we've done a lot with a little in here um and now we just got to dial the sound in <laughs> i really like
2: seeing sasha over your shoulder
1: yeah you like that yeah, yeah that's that signed sasha poster yeah. so yes. speaking
0: of sasha didn't you uh you know have a meet up with him here recently
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, you got a way cooler Have picture than I do. Have we not recorded since then?
2: Uh-uh. No, we haven't. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That was a pretty, uh, probably one of the most surreal moments of my DJ career. And I wasn't even DJing, really. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I, when you, when I saw that image, I just sort of like stopped at my tracks, and I was like, wow. Yeah,
2: That's all I could say was, was wow. Um, so a friend of mine, Chris Schroeder, I worked with him at PSG. He's the production manager for um, React he also he tours with uh dead mouse um but that weekend he was there in charge of the festival and he got me a few comp tickets and went up there hung out and um i just told him uh, i had sent him a text when i went over to that stage at seven o'clock and he just put me in a group text with the stage manager and stage manager looked down and you know kind of mouthed to me are you tony and you know i went up on the stage hung out and then i kind of turned to my right five minutes later and there's sasha and um you know just kind of looking looking at the stage and what he's about to come out to and, and all that good stuff and um a few minutes went by and i uh, i went down behind the stage and saw him down there after he finished talking to the backline tech guy and and I went up to him and I said, hey, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember me or not. I had you in Ohio last year. He's like, oh, yeah, you remembered, you know. So we started talking for a few minutes and, and up walks John Digweed. <laughs> 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 and they they kind of – they they say a couple things to each other and then Sasha introduces me to John. <laughs> so I'm getting <laughs> into every John day John Digweed via Sasha, like, shitting my pants. It's like, really <laughs> fucking happening right now, you know. And um, I just – um, you know, I said, nice to meet you, blah, 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 you guys mind if I get a picture? And I took the picture and John had to, as soon as he took the picture, he went up and had to get his rig set up. And, um, yeah, I got to stand on stage during their whole two hour set. And was- Well, so
1: you caught that perfect little window between I have one second to take a photo with you and you happen to be there. <laughs> That's amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's, that's very hard to get a picture between those two guys. Yeah. You know, yeah those no guys, kidding. you know, it's, and it's, again, as, as everybody should know on the show from listening, that those are the reasons why I came into electronic music. The underground side of electronic music in 1994 was Renaissance. And, you know, 24 years later it's just like holy shit so it was pretty cool man it was cool
0: so for those that are new to the show and don't understand the reference of what we're talking about just imagine if you happen to meet um, let's say Snoop one day (laughs) and he introduces you to Dre you know or you know Kobe introduced you to Shaq I mean this is the level we're talking about you might have to find
1: one for the kids
0: yeah for the younger guys uh, I don't know Uh, Bieber introduced you to (laughs) Manny Pacquiao I don't know
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I always worry. It, it seems like we have a reason to bring up either Digweed or Sasha or both every two to three episodes. And I, I always worry that we do it too often. But was it I don't know if it was today or yesterday. I made a post from the Passionate DJ Facebook page and I said, uh, you know, what DJs inspired you the most or yeah. something like that. And like eighty percent of the answers were Digweed Dude, or Sasha. Sasha yeah. So it's like, well, I guess I guess you guys are feeling it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, man. It's and to be right there, you know, I've I've met Sasha a couple times. I opened up for him once, but met him individually. Met Digweed once in 2000 at the Winter Music Conference, um, Drew and I. But and I've seen them play together a few times, but never standing pretty much right next to them, ten feet away. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just, it was amazing.
1: Do you still have that original photo? Would you mind if I posted it from the, uh, passionate DJ Instagram?
2: Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, I'll send it to you.
1: Monday when this goes live and that way they can uh, check it out. Sure. Cause it's, it's a sweet photo. Yeah, it is. Tony basically only takes sweet photos. Yeah, I'll testify <laughs> to that.
0: Every like high speed photo I've seen a Tony are just epic. <laughs> Like between that one and the Chance the Rapper one, those are like two yeah. of my favorites. Yeah,
1: the Chance is you definitely know, my favorite. The aesthetic. funny thing is, is I
2: fucking hate photos. <laughs> I, I hate, And microphones I and
1: cameras, that. and now you're on a podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? Oh, boy. But yeah, no, I will definitely send it to you. Cool, cool.
1: Well, today we're talking about community struggles. We'll jump to that in just a moment. Uh, really quick, I do want to do just the quick little housekeeping things. been doing a lot of YouTube stuff lately. Uh, this week I put out a review of the ReLoop Mix Tour. Um, coming up soon, I'll have a review of the ReLoop BeatPad, the ReLoop Mixon 4, the Hercules DJ Control Compact, and damn it, another Hercules controller that slips my mind at the moment um all those are coming soon uh, not within a week it's going to take me a while to crawl through all that but um just your basic uh, unboxing videos mm-hmm. and then we go to the uh, full reviews where i give it the rating and all that kind of stuff like you guys probably saw recently on the um xdj r2 review so uh, hit that up on youtube.com forward slash passionate dj also, once again, of course, we offer a monthly bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers, and we released a free episode, which if you missed that one in the feed, you can check that out at passionatedj.com freebonus free bonus and get your free bonus episode. The main link that I want to talk about now, though, is the passionatedj.com forward slash community. And what that does is points you to our Facebook group, which is where we kind of pulled all of today's struggles and questions from. So I want to go ahead and jump to our first struggle, and we actually got a pretty massive response to this one, so I'm thinking yeah, this, this might thin, work. Yeah, you to thin this out a little bit. Yeah. Tom, is it Wenon? Wanan, says, mental stamina with longer sets.
0: See, for me, my question is, like, what constitutes a longer set? Because for yeah. those of you that, if you're new to the show, like, I do a lot of fitness events and football games and things like that, so... I could be DJing that's your jam. Yeah, up to eight hours, you know straight with a couple of potty breaks in there. yeah. so for for me, eight hours like mental stamina, I gotta make sure I eat, gotta make sure I drink. Um, I always bring a fan even if it's cold because you never know you know it's easier to it's real easy to get hot yeah. you know, when you're DJing and trying to think through all of everything. Um, and just staying focused, trying to have a game plan beforehand. Especially like with football, I know it's four quarters and it's 15 minutes a quarter. So I kind of have, you know, a blueprint of what I'm going to go with. But like with these fitness competitions for CrossFit specifically, I, I like to get a list of the workouts. So that way I know what kind of music I'm going to play for each workout um, instead of trying to guess in the middle of it because that just requires more mental power.
1: So you've done some of the prep work to prepare yourselves for those moments where... You don't have to do mental processing, intense mental processing Correct. for eight hours of the time, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> and like the football games, it's so reactionary. Like I have um, a launch pad, you know, yeah. and um, I have it all color coded, whether it's offense, defense, or just anything that I can play in between. Uh, so I know if I just see a certain color and if I don't have time to think, I know if I push that, it'll be relative to whatever happened.
1: Yeah, so you can drop uh, samples or... Mm-hmm. Samples um, and loops. Loops and One shots. You're using the control F1 for that yep. still? Yep, that's
0: exactly what oh, I'm using. Cool.
1: Um, Tony do you ever play any like really long sets I'm trying to think if I
2: have And The I'm last f- time that I played a long set We were at my house I was just going to um, say
1: it's usually a house party or something Where there's no pressure and I can kind of walk away whenever I want So I'm not
2: sure I have yeah. good advice <laughs> were, you, were you here? It was um Man I think it was Kate's birthday But it was myself and Chris and And um T Rex. I'm I'm not for sure if you were here or not, but I think I was. uh, Todd was playing, and Todd had you know a few too many beers. um, (laughs) Shout (laughs) out to T Rex. He's like, I got to sit down for a little bit. And can you take over? And I took over, and it was man, I played about four hours, and it was it was great because again, like you said, there was no pressure. you know, it's you don't have to worry about keeping a dance floor because everybody's kind of doing their own thing in the house party anyway. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Mo. I'm not really sure. It depends on what what marathon set
2: mm-hmm. means. Now, what... um, when I did play the top forty clubs back in the early '90s before I got into the rave scene, you know that was a ten to two, 10 to two thirty. Yeah. And you didn't have an I opener don't... back then. No, it was. Uh, I mean, and it was all vinyl. Um, but it was, man, you, you wanted to play the hits because you have everybody coming up to you, you know, playing that top 40 song. Hey, when are you going to play this? When are you going to play this? you know like, around midnight at 1230 when everybody gets there. Now, man, I would definitely struggle with something like that.
1: Man, especially playing actual records. That's got to be taxing after <laughs> five hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, this one comes from you, Mo Dingo. You said balancing your professional life and DJing. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit?
0: So for me, I'm currently in the military. We'll be leaving here in the fall. But for those of you that are out there in the military or work with any government service, you know that it's not just a nine to five job. Um, You know, I can get phone calls in the middle of the night where one of my guys has done something inappropriate or maybe we're doing some sort of training that they're just going to launch in the middle of the night. So having to balance all that stuff because I don't know like when my day ever ends sometimes, mm. you know, I'll have a fully intent to leave at four 30 a particular day and then something happens and I can't leave. So finding time, what, you know, to wind down to get mentally um, unwound long enough to go in my basement and DJ because I'm also a father, you know, I'm also a husband, you know, I, I'm a part of this podcast. I have another podcast. So, you know, you know, granted, I'm not a professional in any one of those things, because I think by definition, you know, you have to have certain criteria and I don't really meet any of them to be a professional <laughs> podcaster, but those are passion things I'm passionate about. But just with the work alone, because that consumes a bulk of my day, just finding time to go do shows or play out because when do most shows happen? You know, after 11 o'clock. Yeah. When do I have to be to work? You know, six, seven in the morning.
1: <laughs> Tony, can you, can you drop a little bit of insight on that? Because we talked a little bit about... Part of what he said uh, in the pre-show, you, uh, Mo, you said it takes you a while sometimes to, what did you say, mentally unwind yourself yeah. before you can get in the headspace to, yeah, to, to, to DJ. go to DJ. Yeah. Tony and I were just talking about that before you walked in the door. Oh, wow. Um, it's it's a struggle. Like when Whether it's just because you're so busy because of professional life, like mm-hmm. it's what you're bringing up. Or, you know, there's just the struggles of the day, uh, mm-hmm. any kind of anxiety or stress that you're dealing with stuff at work, stuff with your family, any mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff that gets in your head, um, can really be a hindrance
0: to, it takes energy.
1: Yeah. And it's, and it sucks. Cause like a lot of times if I can do it, it makes me feel better mm-hmm. if I can get behind the decks for a while. But man, it's like getting, to, I, I know I asked Tony for his thoughts and then I just totally talked for like no, 10 minutes. No, that's okay.
2: But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just gonna say putting when I stand up to the tables right now and I put you know, I'm I'm into it for thirty minutes and then I realize I have other things that I should be doing because DJing um, right now is not a source of income for me. Right. You know, right. I, I, I it's it's a hobby right now. Um so when I do get up to do it, you know, like I said, I'm a half an hour in and I feel like I need to be doing doing something else.
1: You feel guilty. Yes. Yep. And I think if if Tripp
0: were here, he'd agree with that because there was a point in his life where he was being paid to be a professional DJ traveling all over the place. Now he's a husband, a father, you know, he's got a corporate job. And I I know something that he talks about a lot is just getting time to get in the studio and produce music. You know, so. I feel that. Yeah. Well, Dave, I think you identified yourself as the world's most inactive music producer. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Yep. That's me. It's my official title. Uh, Dave Kessett says, trying to remember tracks by only their name on the CDJ screen. A record was so much easier to remember what tune was what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get that. Nope. Um,
0: I agree. All you had to do was look at the sleeve.
1: Yeah, there's there's a certain uh, memory attachment that's missing now. I mean, we we have album art, but it's...
0: It's di- it's digital. It's virtual. Yeah. Art. It's
1: it's not. It's different when it's you know a, an inch by an inch instead of a big you know a twelve inch record sleeve that you can hold and mm-hmm. it's glossy and yeah. An
2: MP three is not a tangible item. Yeah. Right. Right. Or a wave or a lossless. Um, I'm not yeah. sure if
1: I have advice for remembering the tracks better.
2: Uh. I I man. I can't give any advice, but I can totally agree with that, because how easily accessible music is today, how much that we can download and get and get and get, and there's just, man, I have piles of music. and
0: Yep. That you've never I, played out. I know out.
2: that what I've downloaded, there's something about that or that song that I like, but there's also a lot of times I don't even remember what's in that song, mm-hmm. you know, because there's so many of them, but, you know, that's why I just... You know, I always
1: to fly anyway, so. It, it's because the best part of the track is in that minute and a half beat port preview. <laughs> 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 that's how they get you. Tom Reed says, finding people to help with all that stuff that's not DJing. Promotion, writing, design, video, merch, bookings, etc. Uh, amen.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, Tony, you said it a long time ago, or it might have been Trip, but we're no longer just DJs anymore you know we're our own pr people we're our own publicist we're our own you know merch you know cuz you can drop ship stuff nowadays you don't have to have right uh, a closet full of t-shirts and stickers uh, you know and even like booking agents you know you, you a lot of that stuff we do ourselves now
2: it's yeah some of that stuff is hard to come by if you start obtaining a presence um I need to kind of be vague about this, okay. um, but Crystal Grid was approached by um, by a lady that owns an agency that's also attached to Capitol Records. Um, but they offer a full, you know, a full service as far as management, bookings, all of your PR. It's it's an all in one thing, you know, but once they got the recognition on their social media and the people researched them a little bit, then that lady came to us about it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
1: So how how do you... You've gotta be the king of this, right? Like help, finding people to help with all the non-DJ, DJ stuff because of like your uh, role with Three Dimensional and your backline experience and all that kind of stuff. is. I mean, is it really just about building a community and building your network? or Are there any tricks to that? I mean, how do you get all
2: that stuff done? Um, like I said, I mean, there's firms out there that will do it for you. Um, they charge you, I think some of them do it for about $100 a month. They offer all these little things, you know, like I said, the PR, the management, the, the bookings. They have the network to EDC and this festival and that festival. So <laughs> that company is kind of a one-stop shop. Um, but
1: like, I know there's a lot of other places to look to get the individual tasks done, right? Like if, if you need a uh, logo design, yeah, outsourcing all that stuff, yeah, like Fiverr or using later.com. Yeah. Or 99 designs yeah. or, you know, scale that to, to whatever level. Um, some people don't like doing that. They like working with somebody they know and trust, and yeah. I totally get that, too. Um,
0: and some people just want to do it all themselves, too, you because know, then you don't have to worry about losing creative control. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, I think I've heard you say this, Dave, if you're doing everything, are you really doing anything?
1: <laughs> right. And, and the other thing is, one thing that I like to do is uh, trade work.
0: Okay. We're, uh, energy exchange. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I do a lot of writing for people okay. sometimes. So, uh, not like as a public service, but like for people in my network, Hey, can you help me write this DJ bio? Mm-hmm. Can you write this blurb, this promotional blurb, stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Just from, you know, they've seen my blog articles and stuff and that kind of acts as a resume. Right. Yeah. So sometimes I'll trade that for some kind of work that service, I need yeah. done. Um, but overall, I think that's just a struggle to point out. I'm not sure that's something that you can get around unless you have a super successful team and business and brand behind you that runs like clockwork. Well, which just is become like, an overnight success. Wh- what's that like? Like yeah. everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sean Freeman says, getting off path when people approach and request a song throws a wrench in my, r- throws a wrench in my mix and I turn into a jukebox DJ for a second. It takes me a bit to get back into the groove.
0: Mm -hmm. Hmm, Sean and I talked a little bit back and forth on Facebook with this because he asked me, like, how do I deal with it? And I had to identify, well, it all depends what I'm doing. Like sporting events, you know, I might take a request, but I have a path that I'm trying to achieve. Mm. But when it comes to corporate and wedding stuff, I'm there to just play music. They don't give a shit if I can scratch. They don't care about my my dope mixes or blending. You know, they don't care about if I'm in key. Uh, if Grandma Molly wants to hear me play The Wobble Twice, well, guess what I'm going to do? Because it happened at the last wedding I was. You know, She's like, can you play it again? I'm like, you know what, Grandma? I can play it again. You know why? Because I'm your bitch tonight. You know, you guys are paying my bills, so here it is. You know, Come it, on, it,
1: Johnny. We're going out and hearing The Wobble Twice. Yeah,
0: and you know, that's something I would never do at a club, but again, uh, I'm doing music as a service. Right. There. It's not about me. And that was hard to get over and let go of, but... It's not about me. So this kind
1: of speaks to the types of DJ gigs there are, right? Yeah. Like, this is a question that's hard for me to answer only because I don't play gigs where it's an an option or where a, requests are usually.
0: Yeah. I mean, if,
1: if entertained, I'm, yeah. Yeah, if I'm playing a a house night, then you know, if if I'm playing house classics, then maybe one of the heads will walk up and say, "Oh, can you play that David Morales track or whatever?" Mm-hmm. But. It's not a situation where I'm just going to be like, oh, I have to play uh, Post Malone or something completely off the wall, and yeah. I don't have it, and this wouldn't make sense in my set. So, you know, my approach to that has been taking a whole lot less gigs so that, so <laughs> that I can play the ones that I want Yeah. Um, where requests aren't involved. Um, some people love Taking requests and working yeah. directly with the crowd and doing emceeing and that that direct yeah. interaction and, and, and
0: you know. and the name that comes to mind is Brains when it comes to that stuff like uh, he, DJ he, Brains yeah, yeah he's a uh, he's he's very about you know being able to fulfill people's requests you know he's like you know mm. a DJ for the people yeah and that's and that's that's his that's his area that, that's where he lives
1: and and that's very fun too yeah. as long as that's where your head's at when mm-hmm. you go in but, I think it's
0: fun but like but Sean out. is saying you know trying to take those requests and still keep the vibe that you're trying to establish that's a hard one brother um yeah
2: could, maybe ahead, you could uh actually put an ipad or something out where people could type the requests in or even have a pad you know i used to have when i did the top 40 clubs i would always bring one of my homies up to the booth <laughs> and have them at the front of the booth and take the requests and flirt with all the girls and yeah, do that nice. while i mixed like i didn't want to fuck with any of those people that's like, actually a great it.
1: idea because it gets you out of that awkward like do, what do I say to them if I don't want to play this or yeah. whatever but you have that barrier
0: and I actually use my Twitter account I'll tell them to tweet me really yeah so that way I don't there's no uncomfortableness oh, like it's man. all it's all digital that's a good idea so yeah. Grandma
2: Molly has a Twitter yeah man <laughs> Grandma Molly
0: was G'd up from the feed yeah. up man
2: just tweet but,
1: the wobble at. <laughs> I think I saw Grandma Molly at movement but anyways <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Chilton He says DJ Chill Chill says saying no to bookings and also finding time to record mixes saying no to bookings. Yeah, I guess that's kind of a good problem to have. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And
0: I'll just go ahead and say right now. Chill's thrown me a couple that he couldn't cover. So huge shout out to you, brother. I really appreciate it.
1: So for those who aren't aware, DJ Chill does uh, silent, silent disco, disco. Yep. Uh, setups. He has a really cool setup for doing silent disco
0: and, and stuff like that. We yep. met up for coffee one time. Yeah, he's cool pretty guy. much got a residency at Therapy Cafe about once a month. They'll have a, a silent disco setup. Oh, that's his. I
2: didn't know that was his. Yep,
0: that's all him. He's the. Oh. He, he brought it to Dayton, man. I remember okay. when I okay. first saw him, he was doing a pub crawl with the silent disco. I was like, dude, can I just give you a hug? <laughs> I was like, finally, <laughs> someone gets it. Someone understands. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know if the struggle is um, saying no to bookings that aren't ideal or saying no to bookings because there are so many, I don't have time. Yeah,
0: for me, I think with Chill, it's probably saying no to bookings that aren't of the quality that he's used to. Okay. And not saying that's what he's been turfing off to me. He's been turfing off ones like he's already booked. Um, but I've had a couple where I've deferred them to other people because... I didn't really want to deal with what it was they were trying to accomplish. Um, Just, you know, where it's a short duration and they're trying to pay you a small amount of money. You know, I, am not some huge, you know, awesome you know, $1,000 an hour DJ, but my time is worth something for as much as I'm bringing to the weddings and the corporate events that I do. So, you know, I I can't, I can't do a wedding, you know, a $2,000 wedding for 50 bucks. Yeah, you know, I yeah. and be there for eight hours and take Grandma Molly's requests. <laughs> uh, I, it's just something I can't do. Um, finding time to record DJ mixes, um,
1: I think I would just refer to uh, advice for busy, busy DJs. DJs yeah. uh, busy DJs with day jobs. We'll drop that in the show notes. Um, uh, Jeremiah Rice says. Uh, requests. I mainly DJ weddings. So we we kind of covered the request thing here. Yeah. Um, Jackson Foster says not dwelling on a mistake while playing a set.
0: Yeah, you gotta have a short term.
2: Now, right? I can definitely understand that because that's one anxiety that I have and I was actually talking to um, Jared and Cody, Crystal Grid, I was talking to them today about how everything needs to be perfect you know and, and with that comes anxiety for me to 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 wanna play in front of people because everybody they're all loving it but a lot of people are also right there waiting for you to fuck up you yeah. know what i mean yeah and that that is that is a lot of stress to me i don't think i've
0: ever played a gig where i didn't make a mistake for me it's just a matter of minimizing the mistakes because most mm-hmm. oftentimes. The audience won't notice but like you said tony there are people waiting for you to hose up but mm-hmm. at a wedding they don't really know they don't really care as long All as right. you're playing the music they want to hear you know football games as long as i'm keeping the crowd high and when i
2: say when i say mess up i'm i mean i'm even talking just slightly a mix fall off just a little bit you know just <laughs> little baby for ones. that one person to be like oh he's wrecking and he's back. <laughs> i mean it's 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 cool to hear that though because you actually know that the dj is doing something yeah. you know what i mean and I understand it, but you, you just, it, it comes anxiety because you want your set to be perfect. And that, we can even base that off of finding, you know, about recording mixes as well. You know, yeah. <laughs> hitting that record button.
0: No, nah, for that, it's a little bit different because I'm part of a military DJ group and um, they were just doing like these random taskings. And the guy gave you four songs and you had to mix them or do whatever. And you had to keep it under a certain time frame. And like, I'd be right in the dead middle of it and I fuck up and I was like, stop. Start this bitch all over again. (laughs) Even though it was like a minuscule mistake, like I knew it was there. And I was like, no, I can't turn this in.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of this comes, I think maybe what Tony was kind of getting at this too is like a, a perfectionism like to the point of paralysis paralysis. Yeah. yeah. Like it just makes you either not want to do something or it makes you never happy while you're doing it mm-hmm. because you're constantly worried about it. Your, your hate, your hate
0: spinning. Yeah. Your hate spinning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
2: that's, I mean, that also, I mean, I, I think that comes from a little OCD that I have as well. Cause I like sure. everything to, to be in its spot and to, you know what I mean? So I,
1: I briefly mentioned this on a recent episode. I don't remember what the context was, but, um, you know, I always find that when I, when I have a moment, like one of the little slip ups, like you're talking about, Tony, like, um, the mix just kind of goes off kilter a little bit or something, you know, something that the drunk people in the club won't notice mm-hmm. that I will usually in that moment, I'm like, Oh my God, that was terrible. I'm the worst DJ. I shouldn't even be here. <laughs> yeah. And then, but if I go back and listen to the recording a couple days later, I'm yeah. like, where was it? Yeah. Or, Oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. So.
0: No, I feel you on that because whenever I play a therapy, I record it and like I'll make a minuscule mistake. Oh my God, that was pure garbage. And I listened to it. I was like, oh, that really wasn't that bad. Like three days later, I'll take a listen.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure that varies for people. You know, maybe some people listen back and all they hear is the mistake. You know, and (laughs) I'm sure those people are out there too. But um, for me, that actually helps because I know that that's a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to kind of tell myself, like, that probably wasn't as bad as you thought David mm-hmm. just chill out if you heard this on the recording you wouldn't find yeah. it you that, know, and, and, and I just keep that in mind yeah. and
0: it sounds different you know in a live setting in a room the echoes are different you know you're listening through a monitor right you know or headphones you know depending on how you roll so there's a lot of factors um Pete Fles flessos? Fles, Pete Flessos. we'll go Pete. with that. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah.
1: says that his biggest struggle is trying to find a new venue in town where I can regularly DJ at. Although it was an amicable parting with my last venue, not having a regular monthly venue to DJ at is frustrating. I liked having a home base.
0: If I remember his story correctly, he was he had a residency and then the place got bought out and the direction they went was different than what he spins. Mm. And now he's looking for a new place to go rock out and is having a challenge with that.
1: I can relate to this feeling because I've always thought that that's a part of the DJ experience that I've been missing is having like a long-term residency somewhere. Mm -hmm. I've never really had that. I mean, I've had venues that I've worked with long-term and places that I've played out a lot.
0: But not every third Friday you're playing yeah, a four-hour set, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, or
1: a weekly for for four years straight or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a DJ experience that you will learn a whole lot about DJing and nightlife and the culture and all that kind of stuff that you won't get in any other kind of DJing or frequency of DJing. Mm-hmm. And I've never really had that. And so I kind of, as much as I don't want to like have to DJ three times a week because I just don't have time for that, mm-hmm. I'm I'm disappointed that i haven't had the experience the opportunity with that right tony i know you had some residencies um did you ever have this kind of feeling of like leaving leaving a venue and then being like i liked having a home base and now i don't have a place that i go to do this all the time does does that make sense you're you're on mute mute, bud (laughs) (laughs) We're figuring it out. There I am. Hey. <laughs> hey.
2: Um, you with uh, you Yeah, with no, shirt. I loved having a home base. I was a resident at a few different clubs back in the day. Um, I had four years in one, three years in another. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you knew your crowd, you know, especially in the bars because it was normally the same people. Um, yeah. You knew, you know, I mean, even, even Pearl, you know, watching Terry, you knew his set from beginning to end. You knew the people that were coming in, everything was comfortable. Um, you know, you could pretty much close your eyes and walk around your booth and know where everything was, you know? Um, yeah. And then going from that to other places, that's, that's another thing that's really nerve wracking. Absolutely. Is, is going to new place, to new place, to new place, you know?
1: Yeah. I'm glad that you brought up Pearl. That's, uh, uh, a local night or was a local nightclub here in the Dayton area. Uh, that's where I met my wife, actually. And I, I have that feeling that Pete has with, with Pearl, even though I didn't have a residency there, I mm-hmm. did play there a lot. I did throw events there. I did work with people and for crying out loud, I met my wife there, yeah. you know, I met yeah, the some emotional of my connection. Yeah. Some of my best friends there. And so, yeah, I have an emotional connection to that place and that was for a couple of years that was my home base. I can mm. totally relate to that feeling for sure.
0: So, I know this isn't on the list, but this is just sparked by something Tony said. So, uh as a top 40 resident DJ, what were some of the challenges you had coming up with like new sets? Was that hard?
2: Um no, I mean, <sighs> new sets, I would just say like different orders of the same song. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, it was still, the, the night was still planned, typically the same, um, where I had all my 80 BPMs to, you know, 110, and then my 128s and above, like your, back then, it was um, like Push It, mm. uh, Woot There It Is, mm. and uh, Tootsie Roll. <laughs> um, all, all those stylists, all those songs, you know, those were 1230 and on. Okay. You know, you got Those were your premium tracks. going, um, and you, you had all your bread and butter mixes and things like that. You knew, you know, these two songs went perfectly together. They kind of talked to each other. Um, but back then I had all, every one of my 12 inches, I knew the BPMs to them and I had little stickers on them that had the BPMs mm-hmm. and the way that I had them on my shelf left to right was, you know, lowest BPM all the way to the highest BPM. Mm-hmm. And I knew that um, I, were going to pl- I was going to play those specific songs, but there were times where I would just switch the order of them up. Okay. You know, and there wasn't that much of a challenge because I knew every one of those records inside and out from playing them so much yeah. that I knew where the breaks were in every song. Or I could, you know, this song really doesn't have an intro, so it has to be. You know a quick mix or this one only has a a a 16 Mm -hmm. you know a 16 count break you know i knew all those things inside and out so it wasn't hard mixing them it was hard switching the order up
1: Hmm. did you experience that kind of dj fatigue where you're like i'm playing the same songs in different order every week or did you enjoy that like getting really good at that group of songs
2: um, at the time I actually I, I loved every minute of it. Um because that was that was I mean, the beginning really of my professional DJ career. Um and I I loved top forty and, and I still do to this day, and not as much as I did back then, but I loved all the music, everything was great until I went to my first rave and then (laughs) got into the deeper and the, you know, the underground side of electronic music. Then it was just all about where can I find a song that nobody knows or nobody has, you know, Um, and always constantly trying to play new stuff or unheard of stuff, you know? Um, But back then, before I got into the raves, I didn't mind it at all not at all just because Mm -hmm. the reaction i knew that you know i love the music that's what the people wanted they had a blast when it was all going down so it was it it created a party you know
0: who am i to not give the people what they want exactly (laughs) (laughs) uh nikolai says
1: i actually have a pretty bad case of arthritis in my fingers and playing keeps getting
0: harder and harder yikes um glucosamine and chondroitin yeah i don't that's know I take for mine. that's gotta suck i, I haven't kind of need that. your fingers i mean
1: yeah i mean if it's if it's so bad that it's affecting your djing um and i, I uh nick's a internet friend of mine he's from finland mm. and he um he's not into scratching or anything like that so i could i mean what i'm getting at is this arthritis must be really bad yeah um yeah, I'm not sure what the answer th- is there. I think he does play records.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like um, Mo said, um, you know, I was I had gotten diagnosed with a small dose of um, osteoarthritis in my hips from gymnastics. And great. a friend of mine that was a nurse, and and don't take my advice, I'm no medical doctor, but she told me to go out and get glucosamine chondroitin. You know, it helps with the inflammation. Yep. And it's like literally the day that I took it, I felt great. Yeah, I don't know I, if and, and I've used it as well. For your fingers or hands, I, I, I don't know, but it helped me with my lower back.
1: It works that fast, huh? Yeah. Wow.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Steve Otten says, and I grouped a couple of these together here. Steve says, still get stage fright here. Lorelei says, confidence. And Aya Thorne says, my own confidence and the feeling that I'm doing the same mix every time. Hmm. So stage fright, nerves, confidence, that kind of stuff. We we hear about that quite a bit. Um,
0: you know, getting out there. I mean, I, I think there's it, there's like that, that sweet spot. Because when you're first not getting a lot of gigs and you're, you're nervous, you go up there, you want to vomit and everything. Yeah. But then you get, I mean, if that's continually happening, like you need to like try and explore why it is you're having that reaction. You know, maybe you can do something like some uh, – deep you know just kind of taking a couple deep breaths for me actually and i've learned this from you and trip because i was always had this policy where, like absolutely no drinking before i start a, a set <laughs> and uh it's just for, for me it was just like a professional thing like and i don't know what where that ever came from but then of late i said you know what i'm gonna start having a drink before i there you go for the people yeah i'm gonna start i'm just gonna have a drink before i start and i've actually found that i'm a little bit more loose uh and less uh apprehensive and scared
1: what's your about? just one beer or
0: I, I usually do like a bourbon bourbon and coke or something Oh, okay gotcha and just kind of just to kind of like make me wind down and just get and i like to get there early like you guys always say to do kind of feel the vibe of the room so i can kind of you know slowly immerse myself into that because usually i'm coming from work yeah you know, we're we're you know Things are hitting the fan, you know, and all that stuff and whatever happened, you know, I have a little bit of time between work and whenever I do my show. So having, you know, one beverage usually kind of chills me out a little bit.
1: I think this could, as far as like arriving at the venue, it could, I could almost <laughs> give the exact opposite advice oh, to really? the same person. Depending. So like for me getting there super early makes me feel better about that because oh, I'm, I've here. been observing for a long time. I know what the room feels like. I've talked to a couple people some people that might be the worst possible thing mm-hmm. is just sitting there waiting, staring at the stage. Oh my God. In anticipation. Yeah. Uh. Um, yep. Stage fright. How, how often do you encounter stage fright Mo? Cause you, you do what, different types of gigs. Yeah. Um, Like mobile gigs and stuff. So is that something that plays a role a lot for you? For me,
0: I get a little, I always get a little bit nervous before weddings, but what I've learned to do to get over that. Is I try and uh, establish a relationship with the couple, like well in advance, so yeah. that way they seem more like friends and less like clients. And as long as I can keep them happy, I'm not worried about the other 198 people in the room. You know,
1: that's a good point. It's a lot different when you're they're strangers versus someone who's not a stranger. Exactly. I mean, yeah.
0: And the, uh, for the fitness stuff, like as long as I see head, heads heads you know, and feet tapping, I'm good. If it's a club thing, you know, and I have a pre-planned set, I just have to hope that I've done my homework and my research for whatever night I'm playing, so that way I'm meeting the expectations of the showgoers. And you know, even if there's just one person on the dance floor, guess who I'm playing for? That one person right there. So yeah. that kind of—I uh, actually get more nervous when there's more people dancing. If there's less people dancing, I seem to be really, yeah, a little bit more calmer when it's a when it's a club show.
1: That's totally the opposite for me. Really, like if. I feel so much more anxious if I'm playing to nobody or playing to, to one person uh-huh. or if I see the crowd standing somewhere instead yeah. of dancing. Excuse me. I, yeah, I, I get stuck in my own head and, and worried about it and stuff. But if I have like 10 or 20 people dancing, mm-hmm. suddenly I'm like, I get the S on my chest, right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm the hero. You guys uh-huh. like it, don't you? You know, and I just, it, it all goes out the window and that confidence comes in.
0: Yeah, because this goes back to my first gig as an adult while I was deployed and there were like about you know 150, 200 people at this club at the location I was at and it was my turn to go and the floor was packed and I was like, oh shit, I haven't done this in like 15 years. <laughs> What's going to happen? You know, and luckily, you know, people uh, were, were boogie until their crotches were sweaty. So you know, oh, it was a good ass night.
1: Well, you got
2: to put it like that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I get stage fright every time.
1: Yeah, I was Doesn't gonna matter. say I, this is something that we've talked about before, Tony. You want to? Uh, do you have any advice or uh, um, you know tools or tricks?
2: Man, it's hard for me to give advice in that area because nothing seems to work for me.
1: Uh, I get
2: it. Um, I, I still, but I mean, it's a good thing, you know, that you get nervous because you're gonna. That's gonna drive you to want to wanna do your best, you know. And it falls, you know, it kind of falls to. Because back then, DJing was just you were mixing two records, you know. Now, you have to mix in key at the perfect time of the song, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And, and everybody, again, everybody's watching. that. a lot of people know that. And if it's not proper, then it's it's anxiety buildup. up. It's like an it, it's an artist, you know. You want to please everybody, yeah. but you know you're in that headspace. Do you feel more?
1: how how does it scale for you? Like if you're playing, cause you've played some big shows do those mm-hmm. make you more nervous than small ones or vice versa? How does that work for you?
2: Um, the big shows I actually enjoyed playing and I really didn't get as, um, as worried about those shows because I would play an hour and a half. I would be direct support. So I would play, the first guy would open up for an hour. I would play an hour and a half. And when I started my set, there was maybe, you know, 150 people in the room at, at the bluestone that holds 2000 people, you know, and I'm just kind of grooving. And then 45, 50 minutes later, I look up and the room. is just <laughs> packed to the gills. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like everybody comes because they're all there to see the headliner, obviously. And, um, but by that point, when you get into that set 40 minutes in, you, you feel your groove, you feel comfortable and you're, you know, you're moving along and all that stuff is out the window. So it, it's, I mean, it's mainly for me, it's like the first 15 or 20 minutes and then I start to kind of okay. calm get down and get into my zone. Yeah. Um, the small rooms though, with, you know, 25 guys in the room that are all DJs. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> eyes are on you, you know? <laughs>
0: Like, like Firecat said, they're standing there with their arms crossed, looking at you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, I've I've never played like the festival scale, like to to thousands of people at once, but I know that you have, Tony. But I've got to think that in some ways that helps, just because it's so impersonal. Like you're yeah you're so you're far away, away from, from everyone. The... You're yeah you're emotionally separated from all these people, and mm-hmm. I, I I would think that that would feel that way. But then again, you know walking up to that intimidating moment of, you know, a couple thousand people cheering or doing whatever they're doing. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be pretty intimidating.
2: Yeah. I mean, those are a little bit, they're not too bad because you are far away. Um, And I'm not the guy that's going to get on top of the DJ table or walk to the front of the crowd and, you know, start pumping my fist. And I don't have to worry about, about doing all that stuff. Um, Well, I did not back then. So it was pretty easy for me.
1: Uh, Brian DeStout says, finding a really good prop to put on my head? That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a
2: Brian DeStout comment. <laughs>
1: you want to tell us who Boo Dog is?
2: Uh, yeah, Brian DeStout, he is um, my best friend, my brother. He is the one that actually taught me the fundamentals of mixing. Um, really, really good dude, man. Um, he's, he's my... Uh, He's the carrots to my peas. <laughs> no, uh, he's, he's a really, really good DJ, man. He lives in Southwest Florida now. He grew up here, was on a uh, radio station here. Um, but uh, he always puts on a good show. He's a lot of fun, man. He's a really outgoing extrovert guy. Um, so I could see this comment <laughs> coming from him, for sure.
1: <laughs> We've been trying to get him on the show. Uh, if you're listening, Brian, we still want to get, on you, get you on here, man. Uh, let us know when you're going to be in town. Ah, uh, Greg Lane. He says finding people with the same drive and enthusiasm to do all the things needed to get done—like-minded folks. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Tom Reed's uh, that he yeah. brought in. Finding people that not only have the skills that you need, but are as driven as you and have similar um, energy, energy, morals. Mm, um, that's a good point. You know, business sense. You know, it's hard to the find the same vision. It, it's same vision. Yes, exactly. Um, man, I I don't I don't know how to give advice on that. Other than, you know, the the general advice I always give is make yourself a resource to the people in to, your to network. Yeah. Um, if you're not doing that, then you're you know out of sight, out of mind, and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing comes into play. Um, if you're particularly difficult, at General You. If you're particularly difficult to get along with, this is going to be harder for you. Yeah. You know, um, Mo, you're p- pretty involved in the for now, in the, uh, <laughs> team building and and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, do you? How do do you have to deal with those clashing personalities? And oh, what do you do about? Yeah, it? all the time.
0: <laughs> so for me, you know, like in my current situation, I have about a hundred people that work with me. And, you know, there's certain people and the the phrase I've always heard is uh, getting people in the right seats on the bus. You know, like you, you kind of have control over who gets on and off the bus, uh, but making sure you put them in the right seats. So like when it comes to the team dynamic aspect of it, you know, I, ha- I know I have my people that are super analytic, but maybe not the best communicators or talkers. So I'll put them like, you know, in the back end where they're looking at all the data or maybe doing some research for me. And I have the people that can, you know, sell ice to Eskimos, but, yeah, but I can't get them to focus on one thing long enough, you know, to handle or drive a long-term project. So those are my, those are my face people. And same thing, you know, when you're talking about building a community of DJ and looking for like-minded people. And I think, you know, with our relationship, you know, that's how it started off with me. You know, yeah. I reached out and said, Hey, you know, I'm Mo. And then just kept showing value you know, um, oh, and I'm going to stalk you. Yes. <laughs> until, until you bring me on the show. And same thing with Tony. Hey, Tony, do you know, you, oh, you got a show come up. Hey, I'll do this for you. I'll do that for you. You know? And he, Tony was nice enough to like, let me try some things. And then he's actually taken me out, uh, out to number fest and, you know, hopefully in the future when he's got his own production company and he's bringing, you know, billion dollar artist, you know, he'll have me do uh, stuff for him then too. So, but you know, just making yourself of value, in some way, shape, or form being part of the community and showing that you care about the community instead of just showing up, Hey, 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 uh, Tony, I see you got so-and-so coming. Can you get me on the list? And I haven't done anything for him for six months or he hasn't seen me anywhere for a year, you know?
1: And I think I, I should point out too that in, in your case in particular, like you weren't pushy either. Mm-hmm. I don't think in either case with, with passionate DJ or three dimensional, you're like, Hey, I, here's my skills. Here's, I'm willing to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Here I am. You know what I mean? And I think that's the right approach because it's so many people hear it, things that we say on this show, okay. like make yourself a resource, go talk to people. Duh, 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 duh. But don't, don't force yourself yeah, on people. <laughs> don't be irritating. Okay? <laughs> it's really easy to do. If you know, know when to take a hint, I uh-huh. think, is and, and move on to the next person until you find that group or that person yeah. or that venue that you can really work with. Um, go if, ahead,
2: Tony. um you know, Greg says, you know, finding like minded folks, you know get them to believe in your brand, you know. If they're in your network and they have those professional uh, skills that you need, you know, and they believe in your brand, put that together.
1: And also um, and I hope I'm not speaking out of line here, but you mentioned uh, our team mm-hmm. and, and the dynamic there. Like we all get along great, and we you know have similar visions and similar approaches to things and all that kind of stuff. But it's still really hard. Mm-hmm. Like we have tough conversations all the time off the mic,
0: well, and that's just being real. But I think that's because we care, right? You know, we're, and we're not we're, we're not insulting to each other. We're always respectful. Um, we get passionate sometimes, yeah. You know, and we're not yelling and grabbing each other by the collars, but we're if there's something that we that we're gonna stand on, we're gonna stand on it, yeah, but we all respect each other enough to know that, okay, well we're not let's not go that direction. let's reel it in you know and keep the team cohesive and let's listen to everybody's ideas yeah, so yeah
1: it's uh, communication is is huge when it comes to this stuff and um, even, if and this is not an accusation, uh, Greg. I'm just speaking for the the general benefit of our audience here. If you're hard to communicate with, mm-hmm. um, if or if you if you're one of those people that just kind of come across um, abrasive, abrasive, mm-hmm. yeah, or aggressive or something. Like I know a lot of people like that who actually aren't. Mm-hmm. That's just how they come off.
0: And a lot of times where I see that get tangled is when people are brief in their communication mm. they the assumption is that they're being short and they're being rude you know, some people just they're very efficient in their communication and they don't feel necessary to start sprinkling all these fancy words and <laughs> they just get to the point like no that's not going to work because that's inefficient it's going to cost us too much money let's 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 figure out another way
1: Nobody has ever accused Trip Turlington of that. Everybody knows that Trip Turlington is totally interested <laughs> because he will write you a wall of text to let you know. <laughs> Just picking on you because you're not here, brother. <laughs> Frederick Stanley. He says, Town's getting destroyed by R&B music. Interesting. I'm a DJ who plays everything that should be played on a dance floor in 2018, but I get so sick and tired... Of the R&B culture ruining the club culture. People get so into one genre, and people can't see themselves listening to anything else. Now, that you may think that this is about one or two clubs, but I'm talking about one or two cities. Um, R&B culture destroying club culture. that So that strikes me as news. Um, but also, if I recall, Frederick's from Sweden. Yeah. So there, there could be a totally
0: different thing going on there that I'm just not aware of. I must... If I recall, he's a electronic guy because he had left us a couple of voicemails yeah. while driving to gigs, and, I, and that's what comes to mind. But he, I do think that he said he's like a multi genre DJ, and that's kind of normal yeah. for uh, for his for his culture
2: Is so he like, multi genre within electronic music. Because he, I, 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 so. I remember loving and everybody loving when I played Joe to <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no offense to Frederick Stanley, but no. Um, I, yeah, I got to I wonder, wonder when he
1: says R&B culture, if, if he's talking about this kind of like Post Malone uh, type R&B, is, is that what we're getting at? This kind of trappy new style yeah. or, or something else that I'm just not aware of?
0: It, and it could be different because, again, he lives in another country. So maybe this whole flood of R&B is maybe coming as a shock to the DJ culture over there. Because I mean it's, and even you Tony, when you played the the top forty clubs, I mean you didn't really get too into the electronic, but it was more just top forty pop, hip hop, you know. Yeah,
2: the, the the furthest I could get into electronic music in 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 our area um, back then was you know. Two Unlimited, get ready for this. James Brown is dead. Yeah. Um, you know, just a, just like a few of those, not many at all, because they would lose interest real yeah. quick. I and mean, Trip's favorite,
0: the Vango Boys.
2: You walk into 1470 you, when 1470 was in Kettering, <clears throat> you know, which that's all they played all night. But the top. But you went 40, there for that. Yeah, I know. And I played. I played a lot of R and B in in the beginning of the night. You know um
1: i think we can kind of make this question a little bit more general and and kind of address the issue of i don't get to play what i want where i want Mm -hmm. um sure which is a i totally get that yeah um i've dealt with those struggles myself for sure um and you know i i have general responses to that like you know uh choose the right gigs don't just pick anything that comes Mm -hmm. your
0: way which goes back to what chill said
1: right um
0: making sure you're talking to the right people when you get presented with the gig because your incidents where you were told you could play whatever you want and then come to find out everybody (laughs) wanted hip-hop and all you had (laughs) and all you had was a couple of remixes and you know you you got lucky that night yeah
1: um the other thing is you know of course it's 2018 um, mm-hmm. you could be doing live streams or some other you know a podcast or some other way to play what you want mm-hmm. um, of course that's obviously you know admittedly different than playing for a live crowd I realize that scratch is a different itch for people mmm Um, But if it's just like a matter of I have some things I want to express through music and I need to put it somewhere, Mm -hmm. something like a podcast or a live stream is is great for that, especially if you put some real effort into it Mm -hmm. and like make it a thing like this is a show and I'm going to create artwork for it and try to build a following. You know, you can really get into that community aspect of it. Um, if you get a few followers and it it can help scratch that itch a little bit, even mm-hmm. though it's not exactly the same as being in
0: front of a crowd. But but I'm pretty sure that if this is new to Frederick's culture, and, and, I, and I mean culture from a DJ perspective, then maybe this is an opportunity for you to put something together with other DJs that feel the same way about uh, the pendulum swinging or mm. certain types of music being forced on you know an entire city
1: because we've done that in dayton right tony like there was a period of time where you couldn't go anywhere except to a hip-hop club and there was like i'm thinking like mid-2000s ish there was just nowhere to go
0: yeah because i was yeah. here around then i don't recall any place having electronic music except the mask.
1: yeah so like eventually it was like these groups of, of djs would just get together and be like, um, we're going to throw down. We we don't have, yeah, we're going to throw down because we have nowhere to go. What's the night owl doing? What's Pearl doing? You know? And eventually it would, it would figure itself out. Yeah. Of course, this goes back to having to network and, Mm -hmm. you know, go to the venues that, you know, you want to check out and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah the specific issue of R&B though uh, would probably need more detail I would actually like to know what you mean by that Frederick Um, could you maybe send us a voicemail or if you're not feeling up to that maybe leave a comment and uh, let us know in what way uh, R&B is destroying club culture over there Be Mm -hmm. really interesting actually Morphelius Entertainer says getting six regular shows a month in Europe and North US
0: um, and I want to roll with him, man, if he's bouncing, <laughs> bouncing yeah. all
1: over the place like that. <laughs> so so Rob Thompson also put a similar one in, which is more generic, which is getting the bookings I want other than Square Gigs. So, yeah, just getting more gigs. Uh, we did an episode on that. I'll mm, drop that in the gigs, show notes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Getting six regular shows a month. Yeah, I remember. Well, I, some, I don't know if six is like, is that just an arbitrary number or why are you trying to get to six specifically? Is six the magic number of happiness I'm or, sure. you know, is that what you need to pay the bills based on yeah. some calculation? You know, I, I'm not
0: sure. I, I think some of it depends on where you're at. Um, I don't recall who it was specifically, but we had a listener from Vegas who was saying that. If, if you weren't in the right loops, you weren't getting any off the strip gigs because obviously, you know, you're not getting on the strip unless you're a multi million dollar DJ that has a residency right. or you're within those circles. And here, I think, you know, there's plenty of opportunity because we have that EDM Tuesdays and pretty much anybody can go there as long as you can get on the schedule. But that's kind of a blessing for our city because I
1: was going to say, where you? I think where you, we, we John and Kim and, and company, we're unique in and that. Just, yeah. That we've had that running for so long. Yeah. That it's just like I anybody like this can. this
2: guy's looking for six gigs a month. He's not going to play an EDM Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> right, right, right. Um,
1: yeah, as far as, obviously, he's talking about six paying gigs. Um, yeah. I mean, the only thing I can say there is just hustle. Just yeah. hustle your ass off. If I mean, if, if you have a specific number and you know what that number is, then you just got to keep grinding away until you get like, how close are you to the goal now? Do mm-hmm. you have five is the question I need to get one more gig a month or is it, I need to get six total? Cause mm-hmm. those are different you know, questions.
2: The back in a, again, back in the club days when I did top 40, I played every Thursday. Well, I'm sorry, every Friday, Saturday, and depending on the club, you know, you had your college night on Wednesday or Thursday. So I would play three nights a week. Um, and that's, you know, that's 12 gigs a month. And But
0: going back to what Tony, Tony had said earlier about utilizing some of those resources, you know, you might have to spend some money to get those six gigs, you know, for someone to publicize you and market you and get you out to booking agents. You know, if that's, if that's what the goal is, it, it would be challenging to do that without spending any capital, I think, if you're looking for six paying gigs.
2: I mean, I, I feel like a residency is probably going to be your best bet at getting six gigs a month right. unless you're an actual touring DJ. Yeah. I was going
1: to say it kind of depends on what what he means. Mm-hmm. Like, Is he talking y- wedding he gigs? Said, yeah. Or? If wedding gigs is something totally different, then yeah.
0: yeah. It's a, that's a completely different hustle. He,
1: he said shows, so I assumed it was kind of what we were thinking of as shows. Yeah. But you know, yeah, that's... Uh, that is the eternal struggle, though. Just making, you know, taking Rob's version, the more general, like uh, getting the bookings I want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel you on that. I mean, if I wish that I could go somewhere, you know, regularly and do what I want to do all the time mm-hmm. at the rate that I want, and and I've I don't think I've ever had that experience as a DJ personally, <laughs> to where it's like it's the perfect amount of I do what I want and play as much as I want. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a struggle because. Uh, there are so many DJs and it's so saturated that every, you know, it's the whole free J's thing Mm and everybody will play for free or cheap. And so you have to start, you know, like we talked about earlier, Tony, you have to start kind of justifying the time that you're spending doing it. Mm -hmm. And is six gigs a month worth it? If you're getting paid 30 bucks a gig versus 500 bucks a gig, you know, it's, it moves that scale.
2: If you want to play the music that you want, you want six gigs a month, I highly suggest you get in a studio and start producing music and start yep. you know, mm. going that route um, because it, realistically, that's that's the only route to pull yourself away from the gazillion other DJs that are out there Yeah, you know, yeah Tom can Reed, mix.
0: Tom Reed pointed that out, I think, uh, two episodes ago. Yeah. Start producing your own music. That's how you get more gigs.
1: DJ Serato. DJ Serato. So <laughs> that in the az 623 he says having my clients leave a review. Oh. It's so oh, odd to me man. that so odd to me that people will rave about how good you were and won't take the time to leave a
0: review. Since I've started my business I've probably done about 100 gigs and I might have like 15 reviews. And I always follow up with my clients say hey I really enjoyed you know your night it was one, you know it was a great event blah 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 um, you know I'd really appreciate you leave me a review like 5% we,
1: we have 148 episodes and we have 11 reviews on Facebook <laughs> you
2: wanna, I mean, I'm just gonna restate a small that small bit of advice in my opinion on that is again having an iPad with either your Facebook page or wherever you want that review up. As your, home, as your page on their table. Just for so it So when on they it. come up and they say how good you are here. That's a reveal? good
1: idea.
0: I and, love that and idea. And that's why he is the Tony DeSero. Oh,
1: man. I'm going to start doing that for real.
2: <laughs> Forty nine ninety nine an <in> hour. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then if you could work it into where they can leave an email address and you could start building a mailing list, that would also be pretty awesome.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I have done that part, but it was with a clipboard. It was old school style yeah. for our passionate DJ one year anniversary. I yeah. got like 70 email signups on a clipboard and just that's, put them in manually. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah.
2: You do what you got to do. part of, of being able to keep people's attention. You know, as soon as they leave that gig, they will remember how good you are, but they're not going to remember to get on there and give you a review. And, you know, but you have them do it right there on the spot. Even if you tell them, hey, pull your phone out real quick, because who doesn't have Facebook or Instagram on yeah. their phone, you know? Pull it out real quick and give me a review, you know? Yeah, that's a great idea. Give, like, so, give him, give him a cool sticker or something like that for doing that, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, Serato, he he does a lot of the mobile gigs too and yeah. weddings and stuff. So, that man, that iPad tip, that's that's freaking killer. If if he has access to Wi-Fi or something like that, he should totally do that.
0: Yeah. Noel, I'm going to need you to get on that, bro. Test that out for us. Yeah.
1: Yeah, let us know how it goes.
2: (laughs) Send me your
1: 20%. (laughs) And if anybody on the Passionate DJ podcast enjoyed that tip, you can leave us a review at facebook.com slash passionate DJ or on Apple Podcasts. Oh, or on Google Podcasts, which is a thing now.
0: Yes, I got a message from that the other day for for the other show.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, we got one more. This comes from Amber Dowler. Figuring okay. out which CDJs, MIDI controllers, mixer combinations as a DJ setup would be the most streamlined or the most value for the money or the most compatible with each other, the most reliable. I've been doing this for 16 years and even I am confused. Yeah, it's uh, analysis paralysis, right? Yeah. There's so many
2: options. So
0: many options, yep. with hey, man, compatible that's what I was what? just
2: saying earlier when it was just two records and two turntables and a two channel mixer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what could be easier? But yeah. as far as the yeah. hardware yeah. piece goes, um, you can look at our controller compendium just updated for 2018 on the Hum forward slash controllers.
1: Hey, I was going to see if you got the <laughs> URL right. All right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I've got the controller part uh, covered as much as much as I can. Um, I, I do want to expand into other guides to help people with this issue, mixers and, and decks and stuff like that. Um, it's... A lot of work yeah. to compile all that for reasons that you probably have realized, Amber, by just doing this research. I mean, it, there's just so much to compare and some things are so similar yet different. And yeah. it's like, why do I pick this one over this one? And, you know, especially in that kind of like mid-range budget yeah. DJ
0: stuff. I mean, the high end is, it is what it is. Yeah. You, you know what the industry standard is if you're trying to fill writers. Yeah. You know, it's Pioneer. And, and budget anything, and stuff yeah. is
1: like you just get whatever is cheapest and, you, and looks the best to you and yeah. does the software you want. Mm-hmm. In the middle, there's a whole lot of stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, a whole lot of options.
1: Um, yes, yeah, most streamlined, most value for money, most compatible with each other.
0: That's an interesting one. Um, I mean, Denon, I mean, they're... From the way they're talking, it might not be much longer before they're got uh, tractor in there too. And
1: yeah, they, they so they can import tractor libraries now, mm-hmm. or they're about to be able to. I don't know if that'll be true by the time this goes live. Um, they can import Serato libraries. Yep. They can play Recordbox,
0: Box. and they play their engine, which is their own software. Yeah,
1: I mean they're they're set. That, yeah. the compatibility game's getting pretty cool. Um, and as as a side note, um, just talking Recordbox versus Pioneer. I don't know if you guys saw, they just released a DDJ-SX3.
0: Oh no, I didn't see that. Which
1: is like, was the good like upper mid-range, you know, the DDJ-SX was the, the big upper mid-range Serato controller from Pioneer. Two-channel? It's four-channel. Four-channel? Okay. Um, it's like a slightly smaller version of, of Trips. The trips, okay. And But the interesting thing about that is that it's a Serato controller by Pioneer. Which mm-hmm. they've been spending oh, a lot of time, time getting away, separating themselves, yeah. yeah, and making record box versions of all those controllers. So I, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So maybe they're not totally out of bed with each other there. Actually,
0: you know, you talked about in the last show. Yeah, I brought it up okay. a little
1: bit, yeah. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our struggles. Anything else that you guys want to bring up before we wrap it up here? Any struggles that you guys have that you want to talk about?
0: Yeah, like I said, you know, just that balance. Um, as much as I would love to DJ, I still gotta take—I still have a family to take care of. Um, have to find a new profession, as yeah. I am leaving the Air Force here shortly. Uh, maybe I'll join the Space Force. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You're just
1: trying so hard to get me in trouble, aren't you?
0: <laughs> no, I'm just loving all the memes and stuff. I mean, as an airman, like I'm cracking yeah. up looking at all this stuff on a daily basis. It's—it's it's pure comedy.
1: <laughs> all right, well, guys, that's gonna wrap it up get my music ready that's gonna wrap it up for us today uh once again check out that youtube channel I'm putting a lot of work into that lately uh that's youtube.com forward slash passionate dj and uh, make sure you join that facebook community group if you want to get in on the next episode that is similar to this one uh we love talking to you guys and interacting directly also leave us voicemail yeah we love those are always awesome. we haven't played any in a while uh that's gonna do it this week you guys take care this has been the passionate dj podcast later peace We'll work on hitting the post later. Trip Turlington, he produces a good intro and outro track, doesn't he? So th- this is the part right here where since we did this live to tape style, we have to generate oh, bloopers super. on the fly. See, we all got to say something real dumb. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That'll do. Wow, it just started pouring too. I can hear it. Yeah. That was good timing.